Welcome to Gutsy Voices. I'm Mary. And I'm Karen. We are really excited to be here today. We have a new episode for you and we are interviewing a gentleman named Adrian. Now, life uh, is very confusing on an everyday basis for everybody, isn't it, Karen? We all have things that we think are life or death situations. And this podcast is a very humbling one. I think our listeners will be really really blown away by some of the choices that Adrian has made and his approach to how he's made his decisions. Actually, I totally agree. So please enjoy. Welcome to our guest, Adrian. Adrian, thank you for having us today. It's a pleasure. Um, We're here to talk to you about your gutsy story. And I think it would be nice for our listeners to start off with what exactly it is that you're experiencing and that's what's brought us here today. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your medical diagnosis? Yeah, sure. I have um, a type of incurable cancer called uh, a chondrosarcoma, um, which is a very, very rare type of cancer. I think there's, if there's 600 cases diagnosed a year in the UK, that's, that's a lot. Um, I was first, first diagnosed back in 2004 and um, through various other times, it uh, I had operation. It came back once, and unfortunately, it came back again at the be- end of two thousand and fourteen, beginning of two thousand and fifteen. And actually, can I stop you there for a second? What exactly is it? Carcinoma. I'm not going to be able to say. A chondrosarcoma. A chondrosarcoma. Cars- uh, they're very. It, it's they're usually attached to bones or they start on a bone and my my cancer started on my femur in my left hand leg um and then it was operated on and then unfortunately came back a few years later they removed part of my femur uh two-thirds of it put a titanium femur in which is lovely going through airports so i ping a lot (laughs) and um and then Unfortunately, uh, it was all, it's a bone cancer all around the leg. Unfortunately, it did uh, metastasize to my lungs. And that happened at 2014. And I was diagnosed in 2015. And it's one of those things in life that you think, gosh, that was lucky. I actually had to go in the hospital. I had a tendon torn in my shoulder. And I had, a, and I had that mended, repaired. And then two days later, I got really, really out of breath. Now, on a previous operation I'd had for uh, this cancer in 2012, uh, I had actually um, got some pulmonary embolisms, PEs okay. as they're known. And so... And those, just in case people don't they're, know, they're blood, blood clots. Blood clots, and I'm in the lungs, blood clots in the lungs. Yeah. Um, so I had that, and so obviously we measured that they're pretty dangerous things. Uh, yes. So uh, that I got measured that. Anyway, so when I had this uh, small shoulder operation in, in 15, um, they thought, they did a, a check and they said, all right, let's do a CT on your, your chest just to make sure you haven't got any pulmonary embolism. So it's fine. Lucky they did because, uh, well, lucky and unlucky, lucky they found out. They found out that um, I'd got... Um, seven cancerous tumours over two of my lungs that had metastasised. So uh, from 2000 and 
10 was the last time, in, in 2012, it was a restorative operation on my leg implant rather than a, a cancer op. Okay. Um, so they found that out. And that was, uh, as I say, that was in 15, early 15. So obviously quite a big shock to the system. Mm. And uh, I went to see uh, my, oncolo uh, my oncologist. Um, well, first of all, it was my orthopedic surgeon because my cancer started off as bone cancer. Yeah. And so then he passed me on to um, UCL, University College, and they, um, they have a Macmillan Cancer Department. And I went there, and uh, because it was seven, basically seven tumours over two lungs, um, they couldn't do anything. Just to operate me, to operate, to get them out would have killed me. Oh so gosh. they can't have done that. So when I got the prognosis... It was, uh, they said, 18 months to two years. And so the next question was, you think you'd obviously take that in. And then um, they said, well, would you, would you like to go on a trial? Well, I, it, to me, it was, uh, well, why not? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. in the politest words I can think of. <laughs> you know, so why wouldn't you want to go and do a trial? But apparently it's, you know, some people make the choice not to. Um, and although I was very tired, a lot of tiredness, uh, I just felt, let's give it a go. Well, that's really cool. So, well, actually, gosh, there's so much to unpack there, right? So you, it started off as bone cancer, found out it was your lungs. So this was 2014. What does, you have a family as well. I feel like we need to, to bring that in so oh, right. listeners know because it's not just... You, I think that's a lot to take on all on your own, but you have two children and a lovely wife. I do. Um, so, so can we talk a little bit about when the cancer came back and you have seven tumors on your lung or your lungs? What did your family say? Like how? Well, I think it. it, it they were everything. Everyone was very shocked. I think by the time I'd got the the two thousand and fifteen. Most of us, we'd lived with it since 2002. Bless him, Tom came to see me in hospital when he was two. Oh, oh my gosh. So, as I say, uh, it, it was pretty, you know, shocking news when we got it. But I think a lot of it, as I said, we've, I've lived with it since, two, sorry, 2004, not 2002. Uh, 2004, and obviously it came back in 2010, and then I had other operations in 2012 and then 2015. So it was, it was like everyone, you know, cancer is quite invasive. It's always, it's, um, you know, and it does come back a lot of times for a lot of people. Um, and by the time, I think also, I think when Charlie heard it, my eldest, he was in the middle of A-levels and it did have a bit of an effect on him on, on stuff like that. I don't think that, that helped. There was a lot of worry on that. Uh, Tom, I think he worried as well. He was, he, you know, obviously they, they, they worried it and they talked about it. But Gina and I both be, tried to be quite positive, which is a lovely, easy thing to say, but not a very, you know... Uh, you know, I put my hands up in the air. I can be a right pain in the ass to live with sometimes. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we are. yeah. And he, and I think you know, especially as it's you try and normalize you try and normalize it, um, which you know, it, well, it's that's not, what it's I was not. Like 
this comes back, this seems to have come back for you so many times that at this point, is it still, it, it is still scary. It's scary it, it, every time. It, it, it is, because uh, although, as I said, the, uh, the cancer since 2015 now, I started July 15, I started this uh, medical trial I, I've been on, and it, and it's it's going to be five years at uh, in July this year, which is, considering it is still a phase one trial, uh, wow. it's pretty amazing. I mean, the, the other thing that's quite good about it is I take two pills a day. I take a pill in the morning, a pill in the afternoon, and every twelve weeks I have a CT scan, and as long as the um, the tumours on the lungs are within the range that is is required for the test. Obviously, because tumours are in the lungs, you breathe a lot, so they can they have to yeah. give you a tolerance. Okay. Um, so, as long as they're in that, I'm on the trial. I'm on the trial. If any of the tumours go beyond that scope, then the trial stops. But Adrian, I would like to say you make it sound very easy. I take a tablet in the morning and I take a tablet in the evening. But the trial hasn't been that easy, has it? Because it hasn't been solely in the United Kingdom. You've had to make huge lifestyle changes to enable the trial. And I think our listeners perhaps will be really quite surprised to hear just what you had to do. Oh, right, yeah. The the um, the trial, I, the, the, my first, when I agreed to go on trials, I... I the first one I was sent up to was one in Birmingham to see if I was eligible for it. So you say you're eligible for trials. So you go, all you go, ah, fantastic, oh, this is good. I got there, I found out um, that if I'd have started on that trial, because I had uh, ulcerative colitis as well, it would have, if I'd have started on that trial, the, the medicine would have basically ripped your bowel out. So, oh, <laughs> so they said, no, you can't go on that trial. And so, okay, that was fine. <laughs> so then, next trial we tried was in Paris. So I went. Uh, I had to go down to the lower suburb of Paris, and through a combination of the French NHS and the British NHS, they couldn't agree who was going to fund the trial. So it wasn't it wasn't funding. Oh, so that was my second uh, that second disappointment. And who was trials to you like do you, it was, you in, no it, this was all through sorry this was all through university college london oh, the, okay. the, the, the woman, the, the woman my uh dr Stockton strauss at the uh, university college london okay. i mean you know they, they they're pretty fantastic on you know what they do and they send you to so okay. they have obviously they have the information on worldwide tri trials so the last one is third time lucky here we go um was um, for a trial in Belgium, okay. um, and it was a it was, it was run by a big pharmaceutical company, um, which we'd all know. I won't say the name, but okay. it is run, run by a big pharma, and uh, because it's run by them, it's a trial, so they pay every you know it, they're, it, paying it, they, they're, this, they're, yeah. they're paying they're paying for everything. So um, which. For the first uh, four years, four and a half years, was quite good because I had to go to Leuven is where the, I do the trial. Be okay. Beautiful city, by the way, if you ever get there, <laughs> in Belgium. And um, I had to go there every three weeks. So that means every three weeks a return <laughs> trip on the, on the Eurostar. So, okay, just to recap really quick, you've got two children, your wife, 
you've got seven tumors on your lung and you're going to Belgium every three weeks. Every t- Well, it's now every six weeks because, okay. and it has been for about last six, eight months because um, the, the tumors are sort of being measured. They're not, they're not getting any smaller and they're not getting any bigger. And what I will say, just from my, what I know about the cancer trial I'm on, it's a, it's a type of gene technology. And what the, what the drug I'm taking does is it doesn't cure the cancer, but it kills the growth gene in the cancer, apparently, oh, which is quite wow. amazing. And when I first, back in 2015, I mean, it's hope for everyone who has, has cancer out there. My, uh, my orthopedic uh, surgeon, very, very famous one, and you could Google him, he's Professor Timothy Briggs. If you Google okay. him, you get about five pages. Wow. Um, he just said over the next 20 years, he said, uh, you know, the, the, the technology and that in cancer treatment is going to go through the year. And I feel very much mine has become, rather than it's a terminal condition, mine's a... Um, chronic condition mm-hmm. so it has to be and if you look at it if you think five years after diagnosis it is a chronic condition you know it, it is being managed it might still go to a terminal at some point we don't know but at the moment it's a chronic wow and and what and what made you decide that yes you would go through with this trial then because so you go to belgium and they explained to you well i think what was it in 2015 uh there was charlie was um well, five years ago 17 uh-huh. um he's 22 now yeah tom was um he's he was 12 12 13 okay so i've got you know two two children i'd actually I'd, I'd quite like to see you know them achieve at least 18 and 21 or whatever i can do on that yeah and it looks like i'm gonna do it which is uh which is great that's amazing <laughs> and they were i'm guessing they were supportive were they excited about this did yeah. you tell them did you yeah. even tell your boys I, we said we were going on yeah oh we've been always been completely honest and open on you know what what's going on because i don't I, you live in a you know live in a small household. You can't do it. No, we, we've always you know we're always always quite chatty about that. Yeah, so it's quite. And as I say, as much as you can, you do try and look on the bright side, as Monty Python says. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but as I say, make no mistake. There there there's some dark days. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say so. I feel like you are incredibly positive, and, and like Mary said, you're making it sound very easy. But actually, maybe the trips to Belgium. I mean, do you just top the train? I think. And... Uh, I well, I always, I always go on the Eurostar. Yeah. Uh, carbon footprint. There we go. We throw right. that one. <laughs> uh, and it's an easy journey, you know. From do you here, go by yourself? I go by myself. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 uh, both boys and my wife have been uh, all been over, yeah. but that's just. Um, because on the CT scan of it, um, I have to go the night before. So okay. sometimes I have to book a hotel. So we, we go and go on the night before and have a look around Leuven and Emil and stuff like that. So that's been, that's quite a nice aspect of it. Um, but going back to the, sorry, so what? Oh, the, um, oh, wait, I've lost my track there. Where? I know, I did too. Going to Belgium. Go, going, going to, to Belgium. Belgium. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. going to Belgium. Sorry, going to Belgium. And then, so you take the train, you go to... So, so I go to Belgium. And, um, oh, we were talking about what, 
what made you decide to do that and how much did you share with your family? Well, I think, as I say, I, yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted to do the trial because I think anything, you know, as I say, both young children going through, you, um, you want you want to get through. And I mean, lose, losing a parent at any stage is going to be difficult, isn't it? Yeah. But when they're sort of schooling or going through exams, you, you feel a bit more, you know, oh, let's... <laughs> Let's yeah. try our best. Um, <laughs> well, they're very much young adults, aren't they, Adrian? Yeah. At that point, 12 and, 12 and 17, you, there's no hiding anything. Like no. Like I say, you live in a small house. They're not little children that you can sort of gloss over things, perhaps, which yeah. which is not ever a good idea. But actually, when you've got that age of young well, and adults, they understand. I think they have the capability of understanding mm. as I well. I think they yeah. understand. And the other things that... I was, I sort of, especially after the, the 15, uh, 2015, it, I'm, I'm limited in what I can do because although I, you know, I present okay, um, I get very tired, I get very breathless and, and stuff like that, but that, that's all the nature of it. I suppose that, that, as I say, looking a bit on the darker side, because you're, I'm tr- I travel to Belgium every six weeks, you're, you're, and have blood tests on six weeks and then on the 12th week have a CT scan. Your life's very much within that. You think, right, if the blood tests aren't good or if something's negative, especially on the CT scan, they can go, right, well, that's the trial over. Mm. Uh, and it is very harsh, but I suppose that's that's how they have to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm of value to the... F- the big farmer at the moment, pharmaceutical, uh, because I'm providing information. Mm. Oh, you right. know, each yeah. you know, I, I look at it, it you gotta look at it fairly clinically, you know, mm. I'm financial information for them. Yes. My my trial I might be only it's a worldwide trial, there might be only two or three left on it, I don't know. And I'm yes. the only one in Europe and the nurse who looks after me said you're the longest yeah. phase one trial I've ever had, and his job is wow. an oncology trial department in this hospital. Oh <coughs> well, that and so, and so at this point, it's just every three months, and they're re every, every yeah every every twelve weeks. I have a CT scan, yeah, um, and then every six weeks because you can't have you can't have too many CT scans because they're not good for you either, you know. Because okay. there's always it's a, it's an X-ray. There's always an amount of radiation, isn't there? So mm-hmm. you want to do it. So yes, yeah, so very much when you go up to twelve, you go right. What's it going to be like? You know, have I? You know, and. Most of the time, I'm feeling all right with myself, but there's always that thing at the back, you know, when I have the CT scan, mm. it's coming up next Wednesday. So when I have the CT scan, it's like, is it going to be all right? Are they going to say thanks, but see you later, Adrian? Mm. But uh, uh, And do they tell you right then and there? I, would, I tell you, you get a CT scan. It, You know, it's their CT. I'm, I mean, the speed they of... they have everything there. Basically, right? I have a CT scan at, say, 9 o'clock in the morning... And I'm on the five o'clock Eurostar home. Amazing. With your results? With the results, yeah. Oh, wow. Gosh. So that's very gutsy, isn't it? Just to make that decision. You make it sound yeah. very easy, Adrian. There's a trial and I'm going to do it. But actually, just for those of us who are living, you know, well, to get on the Eurostar, because presumably you must be leaving at five in the morning or something. And on the, when, when I don't have a CT scan, the blood one, I do it on a... Are there in the morning and they're on the back. So I'm on the 507 from Norbiton and uh, and, and the back. So it does make for a long day, but 
you know that's incredible yeah well and actually i was gonna say your positivity just radiates Mm -hmm. i feel like so I, i want to ask you a bit about how you how you maintain this outlook so because when we walked in your house today i never would have guessed this was your story because I didn't know about right. all of the cancers. I knew you had a terminal illness. So walked in, I would have thought, I, yeah, I actually I had no idea. I was really baffled. Um, so, and, and even when we met your son earlier, you know, you guys are You're very just really of, happy and it's just That's what life is like. And I yeah. think that's the thing, isn't it? When you're living your story you don't necessarily see it because you're living it. It's your everyday yeah. life. But I think for our listeners... But do you make a conscious effort? You, and you talked a couple of times about having this, being positive about it. How, how do you maintain that? How, well, how yeah, do you I, I think you don't. There's the whole thing. I think, yes, in a situation like this, I'm going to be positive. That's not to say it's false, but I'm yeah. going to try and be positive and stuff like that. On, you know, there's, I'm not saying, you know, there are plenty of times when it's like, oh, watch your father, you know, walk round him or, you know, you know, okay. and I snap unreasonably and stuff like that, which is, you know, and say Completely some, reasonable say some yeah. things. Yeah, you know, and, and it, I think it's, in sometimes you can actually become quite selfish because it is you who is suffering from this. Yes. And although your family are suffering as well, you probably don't believe that or understand that at the time when they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's okay because I think we're allowed to, everyone's just experiencing different things at different times isn't it you might be celebrating where they might be grieving about something and we're forever playing this game but we don't quite know how the other person's dealing with it i think yes and as i say so that and that you know situation in life because there's still that although it's been five years and i'm glorious i think it's wonderful it's been five years there's still that i'm not still quite not sure when you know, when the good news will end. So there's always that little bug at the back of your mm. back of your brain. So So and and so how do you deal with that? How do you I, address I, so, that? I, I suppose I do and I don't. Okay. I think the the honest answer is I do, hopefully most of the time, and I don't some of the other time. Um and that's shown. But I think also we're I think life, especially with, the, I mean, Charlie's 22 now. He's, uh, you know, he, he works for a living. Um, he's got a busy life. Tom, you know, is uh, doing his A-levels. Um, he's hopefully going, he wants to be an architect, so he's getting some offers from university. So he's he's very, very busy boy as well. Um, you know, my wife does two jobs to, you know, keep the household going, which is, which is fantastic because... Um, I suppose that's that's the other thing because I had to ill health retire. You know, when you ill, Ill health retire from a job, I, I you know I was in a I was in that situation in like sort of mid to late fifties where you've luckily you're fortunate if you have I paid off the mortgage the wife and I paid off the mortgage and we were sort of saving to the future to sort of think right okay. That's it, kids off hand, you know, we're going to be travelling, do that and the other. And to be fair, a lot of that has had to be curtailed because that's not not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you can look at you look at other aspects. You know, we've got a nice bunch of friends, you know, family and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you, you'll celebrate. I mean, we're, 
one of the things we're really looking forward to at the end of this year is my it's my wife's uh, mother's 80th birthday. Oh. So there's like 12 or 13 or 12 of us all going for a big weekend in some stately home down just outside <laughs> Bristol, which oh, nice. is fantastic. Yeah. So it's great, you know, so that, that's... Well, that, so it sounds like the illness and, and your treatment doesn't completely take over your life. That's no, no, no. As I say, the, 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 the treatment is... You know, when you hear of some of the other things that people go through, you know, and you know, a good friend of ours has just had some uh, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, you know, and she's had a bad time for the last few months and gone through a lot. And it's, it's, and I still look at that. I haven't had an operation. Well, not recent, not in the last year. Yeah. It's still, right. still time, I suppose. Right. Um, but I, I've just taken the pills, and the pills are doing that. And that's what I—that's what I said. It's not everyone, but you know, there's so much going on out there in the research that hopefully they're going to, you know, because the statistics are—it's one in two people or one in three will get, you know. Oh wow! Yeah. It's a huge statistic, uh, but you know, it's people are, are coping with it and dealing with it a lot more. Mm. I mean, I've got, you know, going back to that. You know the the retired bit. I try and stay positive, but it is. I used to have a job that was quite frustrating, but quite enjoyable. But like most things in life, you know, it was busy. It was annoying, but it was good. It got me up, and you forget what important part of your life working is. You know, you shouldn't be defined by your work, but invariably, working is a very important part of your life and takes up a lot of your life. And I mean. On the positive, if you want to know what to watch on Amazon Prime or Netflix, just give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, let's, let's talk a little bit, because um, we haven't talked about what your job was before you right. uh, you were you retired. So tell us a little bit. You worked in the restaurant industry? I, I, I ran, uh, I worked in the hotel and catering industry for okay. all the most majority of my uh, professional life. Yeah, I, um, I used to, uh, I worked, with Whitbread and I ran a, a beef eater and they Whitbread owned Premier Inn so I had Premier Inns on the side of it so I used to manage that so um, busy chain restaurant with a busy hotel on the side of it so I used to have depending on what site I was at between 45 and 60 staff underneath me so wow. you know that's yeah, sort of the, the head honcho on that so that that you know that's great it, you know very sociable, very nice job, but you know, lots of. I suppose the other thing is it is it it's twenty four seven three six five because we were open twenty four seven three six five, so it's not like you know nine till five. That's it. Stop. Go home. You know, so you're there. And you mentioned it's a little bit of a stressful job too. What kinds of things were you dealing with? Oh, while well, you were working? Oh, <laughs> what? Let, let's try it with it. Well, alcohol in the public. Let's yeah. just say, you know, alcohol in the public. I think that probably answers the question. I mean, at one site, at one site I ran uh, over in Hayes. I mean, it wasn't. It, it, it's a bit of a difficult part of the country, Hayes. I dealt with, oh, you know, attempted suicide in the hotel, no. petrol bombs in the car parks. Um, oh my gosh! Um, 
woman walking out into the road and getting knocked over by a bus and because she got drunk in the well she hadn't got drunk in our pub she'd come into it and got drunk before gotcha so uh yeah the police investigation i well the one this same site we were robbed three times in six months so uh oh there's, there's all that to deal but that's you know how yeah. do you even deal with that well yeah. i did on the third on the third time i i said to my area manager i said look yeah, I think I need to move to another site if that's all right. And uh, my wish was granted. So oh, that, was <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was the 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 straw was the. Third yeah, time. No, no, no. I think a, attempted suicide would be enough to freak me well, out. Yeah, it was. You know, that, that's that's. A, but unfortunately, that a lot of hotels, a lot of people go to commit suicide in hotels. Really? You read, you read the statistics. It's quite scary. God, so it sounds to me, Adrian, that you've always led a lifestyle where you, you've got intrinsic strong coping strategies and perhaps that has helped you through your yeah, diagnosis? Yeah, I, I, I suppose I think strong, yes, and probably a bit, I think, maybe a bit selfish mm. in the fact that, well, that's not my life, mm. it's not my problem, you know, they're an idiot. They're, oh. you know, I, I, I think I've got quite a hardcore on on certain things if, it, if it's not my family or not friends and stuff like that mm -hmm. i think you have to be because you know i said i've dealt with the general public mm -hmm. all my life and You've seen a lot and the general public are you know on the whole mostly nice of them as soon as they get a few drinks in them the, the characters change but we've all seen that <laughs> I say, and, now, and now you've been able to step away from all that so and you're getting to relax, is that right? Okay, or, I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> no, I do, no, I, I do relax. I, one of one of the bonuses, and you've seen him today. One of the best things is when we found the diagnosis in 2014, we bought Norbert, who's my brown cocker spaniel. Yeah, he's sitting right here. He's been in my lap the and whole time. He desperately wants to play. He <laughs> he makes me giggle every day, oh. and I go out. You know, we go out for a walk every morning. And that's part of it. I, I tend to try and walk between four and five miles a day, usually three with him and, and, and stuff like wow. that. So it's good, you know. So that's good. It gets me out of there and, and, and stuff actually, like that. And I want to ask you about Norbert because you mentioned that you have long conversations with him. Yeah. Is Did that I? right? Don't tell my wife that. She already oh, thinks oh, you're okay. she already thinks you're spoiled, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> I was curious. Yes. Just, oh yes. Just of course. Of course we have. Of course we have conversation on Maz a box of frogs. But uh, <laughs> but and that's we're in the house together a lot. You know, all the time and stuff like that. So if I go and sit and watch the TV, Norbert comes and sits next to me and stuff like that. So yes, it is. It, it's lovely and stuff like that. Yeah. And what are you guys watching? Because you also mentioned if I wanted to know anything on Amazon Prime. Well, Amazon Prime, that new Hunted, that's really quite, it's quite bizarre, but quite worth watching. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's, there's too much. <laughs> there's too much. I think we could, we could, you could say that, yeah. Okay, and then what else are you doing? Because um, now that you, you've had to give up this job that yeah. was taking so much of your yeah, time, yeah. and now you've got Norbert and you've got your Amazon Prime, but I'm get, I know there's other things that you were doing. Well, I, well. They, I do. You, I try, as I said, we walk the dog. Obviously, I do, I do the majority of cooking in the house and stuff. And I do enjoy it. I mean, because I, I'm in hotel and catering, I was a fully trained chef, so I don't find the the cooking... To, I find it quite interesting and, you know, quite... And 
I mean, Gina quite jokingly says sometimes, she says, do you know, we can have a baked potato and beans for supper sometimes. <laughs> so what are you making for dinner if you're not making baked potatoes? Well, you know, you, <laughs> I do loads of things. Like tonight we're going to have a, uh, a lamb and feta filo pie uh, with oh. some, some couscous, you know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's good to do that. It's, it's, I think that's fantastic, yeah. yeah. So it's nice like that. I probably don't do enough, as much housework as I should. But, yeah, apart from that, and, you know, just getting out. And I, I, I've started just recently, um, I, I've done a, I do a couple of hours a week at the hospital with the Royal Volunteer Service. That's taking a, a trolley round to the wards mm-hmm. with crisps, mm-hmm. sweets, drinks oh. on it. And I do that with another lady called, uh, called Roz, who's been doing And it's lovely. It's, yeah. it, it's just, I find I, when I come back at the end of the day, I'm absolutely knackered after it. And, and that is, and that's because it's different than walking a dog for like three or four miles. It's that stop and start, you know, it's like, it's like walking around the shops, isn't it? We're always really tired. Or when you walk around the museum, what is it walking around the museum? You know, yes. it's like, right. I think it's the mental energy yes. too. When there's, yeah. so right. many, there's so many things going on in a hospital. You are forever stimulated. Yeah. The noises and the lights and there's always something happening. So, yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. So that that's quite good. And I would like to look at doing more, but the the, the, the limitations are, is as I say, I do it and then I just get quite, I get quite tired and it's uh, I suppose that the most annoying part of my illness is the fatigue yeah uh, you know the, which is constant fatigue you know so so how do you how, what, how is it different now because before you're, you well actually you've been doing this since 2004 so I mean did the fatigue just start with the lung cancer or did I, it start well it started I think uh when it started in 2004 and then I had the operation they told me it was clear and it was it was fine it was a massive leg operation and stuff like that but I got back and I was still fit enough to carry on working the working the job because the, all the restaurants I run they've always been over two or three floors so that means running up and down stairs you know um you know, we worked out on an average Saturday night, we'd all do about six miles, you know, within the business, you know, so that's got, and that's all, a lot of stair training as well. Um, so, sorry, what was? So, the fatigue. Oh, sorry, the, fa- yeah. the fatigue. I, I, I very much noticed it, the, lo- the last couple of years I was at work, okay. uh, it was sort of late two, four, 2014, I was sort of going into work, and I didn't know it had come back, but I was literally, because we had uh, a hotel, we used to have a breakfast shift. So I was at, at site at 6.30 in the, mor- in the morning. And then obviously I had managers in the evening, but <coughs> I used to come home about 3.30, 4.30 and basically go to bed for about four hours mm-hmm. and then get up for supper and then go back to bed. So that, that the, the fatigue, and as I say, just the nature of the job it's very on your feet all the time running um so i did notice it very very much there and as much as i think you know you will yourself on you go yes i can do that i go no i can't do that and it, it you know that i'm starting to accept it more now but that is that is a frustrating frustrating aspect now you know if you said now 
shall we go and walk from here to Richmond Gate? Yeah, no problem, I'll go and do that with you, as long as I get the bus home. God, that's fine. I'm on the bus with you. <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not walking six miles a day, and I'm exhausted. So yeah. I think, yeah, that's interesting. That yeah, to to manage all of that, I'm. It's yeah. it's interesting how you think it. You're slowing down, and I think, gosh, just to do what you're doing now, I would be speeding up. <laughs> I think. I, well, I think there's it, it, there's just in life there's general frustrations, and you know, I suppose. An illness like I've got is probably going to age me earlier than I should normally be aged for. Yes, okay. uh, so, and that's just general frustration in that. You know, I've got, I've got arthritis in my hand as well. Not terrible, but mild arthritis. But that that's just annoying because I drop things. You know, so you know. So the language when I'm alone with Norbert is sometimes quite. Colourful. <laughs> 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 he doesn't seem to be any worse than where No, 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 he doesn't. He doesn't. So, and actually, um, I want to talk to you about your wife because actually that's one of the other things that um, I think is so amazing is that you and Gina have been married for 28 years. Yep. Is that right? And very happily. Can you tell us a little bit about your wife and... Um, well she, and how you maintain that through all of this? She's very patient and lovely. Is uh, patient the best one? Uh, very understanding and very forgiving, um, which is lovely. Um, because, as she puts it, she's in a household with four boys. Because Norbert's <laughs> a boy. Uh, uh, and actually, which, I'm sad your wife is. Well, I was going to say yes. Yeah. She and I could be sisters Simpa in arms here. Absolutely, <laughs> but. Uh, she, um, you know, she works. She does. She does two jobs. Um, she works. Um, she's very, very intelligent. My wife as well, which is lovely. Um, and great conversationalist, you know. And it's quite funny. She, oh, she is the glue that holds us together. She, she is. She is. Uh, she is very good. Um, She's remarkably positive. And she she's is a very, very witty lady. She is yeah. positive. And she's oh. very tall, Adrian. I'm sure that's what she's, she's very doing. tall. She's very, very yeah. Tall. She is. She is very witty. She's very eloquent. Uh, uh, and I don't know whether other husbands out there agree. I'm terrible at arguing, and Gina is brilliant at putting a point across, <laughs> which is a big frustration. But uh, and. Yeah, I'm sure you're new. I see it in the children. You see other things in the children. Charlie's very much like me in certain ways, and Tom, my youngest, is very much like his his mother in certain ways. So uh, it's great to see characteristics, not always good, uh, come out in your children. Um, but yes, we have we we have had. Uh, I mean, we met. Oh gosh, when did I get married? Ninety two. Yes, ninety-two. Wow. Wow. So it was it was lovely, and uh, I did. I literally decided within three months of meeting her. That was it. Yeah, we said yes. Yeah, yeah. Don't let that You'll one. Do, really? Don't let that one go, Adrian. <laughs> don't let that. And, and oh. f uh, gratefully, she seemed the seen the same. So uh, yeah, we do. As I say, we've we've. Uh, it's. I mean, it's a long time, isn't it? It is a very it's, long it's, time. It's a long time. Twenty-eight years, and you hear lots, but but I mean, you, Mary, you've been married. For, a long time. A long time as well. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. I know. So it is. If you uh, could teach my husband how to cook as you do, then I think we might make it to twenty-eight uh, as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's other things Andrew does that I don't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, I think I 
think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. Um, and actually, maybe that's a good place for us to stop here. Um, I'm, I'm just so impressed with your positivity and attitude. And I wish our listeners could be here with yeah. us to see you because you're just, you're a lovely person to be in the Thank room you. with, Adrian. Thank oh, you. Oh, it's so gone. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. No worries. All right, we've, we've returned to Gutsy Voices home base after talking with Adrian, and I'm so moved by that hour and a half we spent there. Um, I, I feel badly sometimes that our listeners can't see our interviews, but I'm just not that good at video yet, sorry. So I, I would like to describe, I'd like to start our wrap up today by describing what it was like to walk up to Adrian's house. Yes. Because he opened the door and immediately he's smiling at us, welcoming us in and walking us through his house. And I had no idea about the cancer of his leg or that he had had all of these surgeries never would have guessed anything was wrong with him Mm -hmm. um and i think that to see him that way and then to hear this huge story is is massive you know i think it was a really humbling interview yes um you know for all intents and purposes adrian has been given an extra 16 years of life yes from the time of his diagnosis to now that's 16 years that's huge um, so it's really humbling to see somebody living a life that, that kind of wasn't theirs potentially to have. Well, that and his attitude about it. Yeah, so positive. Um, oh, yes, I feel, you know, sometimes you don't know why things happen. But I guess I really feel in my gut that his approach to all of this has to, has to affect this outcome, right? I believe so, and I think the fact oh. that he's clearly in a loving family and they've all gone through this together. He's yes. not been alone through it all. And as much as that must be very difficult to p- constantly put on that brave face, perhaps having those people around you, you have no choice but to make that decision that you're going to do everything you can well, and they do it as a matter of course. Yes. Because that's the other thing. His son, we got to meet his son yes. um, there at the beginning. Charlie was there as we were setting up. And he even said, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess this is unusual. He's like, people do, you know, yeah. Yeah. give me this look like, well, what are you talking about? That's crazy. And it's like, well, yeah, but for me, it's just normal. Yes. So their acceptance of this yes. and their acceptance, yet not acceptance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because he does, he faces it head on, mm. um, but just takes it as it's normal. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed being in his presence, not just because he shared this amazing story, but just because he's such a lovely person to be around. Isn't he? Um, so I, yeah, I'm really grateful. Yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So, so we're at that time, Mary. Give us the music. What is the music we're all going to go away singing after this episode? Well, you know, Adrian mentioned it himself in his interview, and it really can only be one song, can't it? It really can only be Always Look on the Bright Side of Life from the Monty Python film Life of Brian. Yes, that's such a good one. Um, Okay. Well, on that note, we will leave you with another excellent story to be thinking about. We'd love to know your thoughts, so please do hop on our social media pages or send us a private message. Um, Let us know what you think about Adrian's story this week or if you know any gutsy voices. And we'll thank Mary and Adrian and, of course, Will, our lovely producer. Um, And certainly our special guest today, 
No, but... Oh, gosh, he was so cute. Yes. <laughs> so, enjoy right. your walk. Can I have song number two? Of course you because can. Because I think I need to dedicate something to Norbert, and it yes. has to be Who Let the Dogs Out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's going to be an earworm for the week. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Raise your voice the time.